college. So to finish up the semester tonight, I wanted to do something just slightly different. Instead of giving you another sermon, instead of giving you another formal message, I got together with my wife because over Thanksgiving, I was doing a little bit of thinking, doing a little bit of praying, which how many of y'all severely overate during Thanksgiving? All right, about seven of you took advantage of Thanksgiving like you're supposed to. Listen, if I, here's the thing about, I'm going to teach y'all better next year come Thanksgiving. I dropped the ball. It's on me this year. So like most families do, y'all are probably like ours and you do paper plates so you don't have just a mound of dishes to wash. So listen, for future purposes, and this, this is something that you can take with you tonight free of charge. If you get through a Thanksgiving serving line and your plastic plate at some point in time has not cracked, then you're not doing Thanksgiving the right way. So I severely overate during Thanksgiving, which led to me being pretty much shut down from doing anything physical other than laying on the couch in pain and agony and suffering. But in so doing, I was able to spend some time with the Lord in the stillness and the quietness of my stomach being severely bloated. And I got together with my wife and I said, hey, I want to do something different to finish the semester this year. And I asked her this question. I said, if you were going to give our college students, you're going to give our young adults two specific things to key in or focus in or pursue after over their Christmas break, what would those two things be? And so my wife comes tonight with two things, two encouragements, two challenges that she's going to give you guys over the break. I've got two encouragements, two challenges that I want to give you guys over the break, because here's the thing that we have learned throughout the years of doing this and having been in the seat that you are sitting in now is that everybody loves a break, right? Everybody looks forward to Christmas break. Everybody looks forward to going back home, spending time with friends, spending time with family, not having to deal with the rigors of schedule or, or working quite as much or exams or discussion boards or group projects or any of those things. We all enjoy time to rest. We all enjoy having a break. But there can be pitfalls in that break as well. And what we have come to learn from being in your shoes and sitting where you're at, but also having done this for six years and having conversations with student after student, is that so often a time of rest, a time of renewal over a Christmas break, turns into a time of broken routine and spiritual distancing from the Lord. And we don't want that to be the case for you guys. And so the things that we are going to share with you tonight in this short list, which obviously isn't exhaustive of everything that we would desire to tell you to do over the break, but they are the main things that we would love to see you guys implement over this break to help keep you from falling into that season of dryness and disparity over a time that really should be used to maximize and enhance your walk with the Lord. So those are the things that we want to share with you guys tonight, and we hope that when it's said and done, You'll be able to take these things with you over the break, apply them into your lives, and come back come January fired up and ready to go, having experienced a time of refreshing and renewal and strengthening over the break, not coming back into this place having been dry because you've gotten yourself out of good routines that you had formed during the semester. So that being said, I'm going to let Ashley lead us off and share 
her first encouragement, her first challenge with you guys to implement over the break? First of all, and most importantly, of course, is I want to encourage you to make spending time in the Word of God a priority and a part of your daily routine. And that sounds like, duh, Ashley, we know that. But in this room, we've got people who came to know Jesus at the age of five all the way up until came to know Jesus this semester, praise the Lord. And so we've got a wide variety. And some of you have known the Lord for a long time, and you still don't feel real comfortable studying God's word, and that's okay. So I'm not coming to you speaking as someone who perfectly, you know, 100% has quiet time every single day consistently at the same time of day. That is not me. I struggle in this area greatly, and I will be the first to admit that to you because we're human, and that's a huge flaw of mine. I'm bad with routines. I'm bad with schedules. But if you don't know, I surrendered my life to Jesus when I was 20. So, like, I was your age. I didn't grow up in Sunday school. I didn't know all the little Sunday school stories, the Bible stories, the songs they sing. I didn't know any of that. And so the idea of sitting down and studying the Bible as a new Christian was completely overwhelming to me. I mean, I remember, like, sitting down and being like, okay, every Christian sits down with their Bible every single day. I'm going to try this for three days, and then I was done. I didn't know where to start, where to go. Um, I didn't have a clue what was a good Bible study to start with. I think I started in one of the Gospels, but I really don't remember because I gave up so quick. And at that time, I didn't have anyone kind of like Trey and I are, Natalie and David are to you guys. I didn't have one, like, kind of ahead of me in life that could come alongside me and help me. I didn't have good relationships like that. And... On the flip side, I wasn't vulnerable enough to admit that anyway. Like, that's embarrassing to be like, I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't have a clue. Even as a new Christian, you're, you're scared to say that sometimes. So, um, you know, later on in life, well, okay, let's say this. When I, when I got saved at age 20, our pastor here at the time gave me a new believer's book that I'm pretty sure was made for children because I had to trace my hand on page two and then make little things on each finger. But it, it was a starting point, and I'm thankful for the effort. And um, it had a memory verse every week. So I was like, well, I can at least do the memory verse. Like, I know how to study. I know how to do school. I can, I can memorize something. So the first memory verse was Psalm 119.11. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But I didn't know what that meant or why in the world out of a billion verses they chose that as the first one for a new believer to use. I didn't know how to apply it to my life. Just learned one. I was proud of myself, put a check mark, and moved on. And later in life, believers came around me that were good friends of mine that emphasized the importance of God's word and how much they loved it and how much, you know, it helped them in their daily walk and how they'd read this and then God would show them this. And I wanted that so, so badly, but I still didn't know where to start or what to do. So, I mean, they just made that such a big deal, you know, they, they kept telling me the importance of it, and, and so I started praying for God to give me a desire to be in the Word, and actually, um, I, I mean, it didn't just happen overnight, and I still have days where I'm not just dying to pick up God's Word and study it by any means, but I don't want you guys 5, 10, or 15 years down the road to be like, I still don't have consistent quiet times because I went years like that. And then one day you're raising children and you're responsible for raising them up and training them to walk in the ways of the Lord, but you can't even teach them how to study the Bible because you don't really know how to study the Bible and don't know that much about it. Like, Graham is two. He, he, like, if you say, who made you, he'll say, God made me. Like, I'm trying to teach him stuff. And so, like, I need to know how to teach him how to study the Bible one day. So I basically am telling you now, If you don't want to do that, you want to prevent that from happening, you want to change, you make a choice. You make a choice. You choose to tell somebody, hey, I don't know where to start. 
you, you choose to say, I need some help, I need some resources, I don't know what to do, and you choose to open your Bible. So I cannot encourage you enough, like, that, that is such a priority, that the Word of God, it is full of valuable information, it's full of wisdom, encouragement, all the things that we need, and you will never regret giving your time to that. I had someone tell me one time, if you don't tell your time where to go, it'll still go somewhere. If you don't tell your money where to go, it'll still go somewhere. You're in charge of your time. You choose to give your time to a God that is so deserving and has given us this gift. Yeah, so like she said, obviously it, it may seem obvious for us to sit here and tell you, hey, over the break, we want you to spend time in the Word. But just because it's obvious doesn't mean that it shouldn't still be stated. Because spending time in the Word is something that we have to daily remind ourselves of doing. And you guys, I'll be honest, you know, sitting here as your leader, sitting here as your pastor, Christmas break, even for me, will be very tempting to break me out of my routine of spending daily time in the Word of God. So you've got to make it a point. You've got to make it a concentrated effort. The best way to get better at spending time in the Word is to spend time in the Word. And if you lack resources, if you don't know where to start, that's why we're here. Ask us. We will point you in the direction. We will help you get some resources in front of you that will get you going, that will have it laid out for you. Listen, to this day, I still need a Devo or something to follow that I can plan my days out on. I, to this day, am not one of those people that can just flip the Bible open and say, well, I think today I'll just start in Obadiah. You know, there has to be structure with this just like anything else. So over the break, guys, make it a point to establish a daily reading, study, meditation, prayer time with the Lord, and it will enhance your walk with Him like nothing else can. All right, my encouragement to you to start off with is what we started this semester with, and that was the challenge to live surrendered. So my encouragement, my challenge to you over the break is make it a point to live surrendered. Acts 20, 24 is where we started this semester at, Paul says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So at the beginning of this semester, we talked about and challenged ourselves to understand and live out a life surrendered, fully surrendered unto the Lordship of Jesus who we profess as our Lord and Savior. And in that, we talked about how there's only one thing that matters. And that one thing being the gospel of Jesus. Listen, over Christmas break, guys, what an opportunity. What a door of opportunity for the gospel. You'll be going back home to your family. You'll be going back home to friends, many of which I guarantee you need Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. They don't know about his hope. They don't know about his peace. They don't know about his love. They don't know about his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. All those things are a foreign concept to them. If you will commit to living a life surrendered over the break, I promise you God will give you opportunities amongst your family members to share the gospel with them. So many times it's easier for us to fall into this mindset of I've worked hard this semester. I've put a lot into this. I've put a lot into growing myself spiritually. So this break, this is for me. This is my time. I'm going to go home. I'm going to relax. I'm going to chill. I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to play 14 hours of Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. I'm going to let my mind turn into meatloaf. 
because I'm tired of all the studying. I've done good this semester. This break is for me. And your entire break will blow right by with you being nothing more than a self-focused, self-centered, I'm sorry to be harsh, lazy, good-for-nothing couch potato that comes back here to start another semester having missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share with your people that are closest to you about the good news of Jesus Christ. Live surrendered. One thing matters, and that's the gospel. And we also talked about how one life matters, and that's this life. A life, like Paul said in 2 Timothy, that's poured out as a drink offering on the altar before our God. Guys, over your break, I can't, I feel like I can't stress this enough. Living surrendered is living selfless. And one of the biggest temptations you will be faced with over this break is to live selfish. One life matters. That's the one that's poured out on the altar, surrendered completely over to Jesus' will and direction and purpose and call upon your life. So over this break, Make it a point to live as selflessly as you ever have before in your entire life. Be intentional about finding ways to deny your own wants to help meet others' needs. And this break will be so much more fruitful. You'll come back so much more refreshed and so much more fulfilled because you didn't let this time pass you by. You didn't skip over this opportunity. You didn't spend it on yourself. You looked around. You saw the needs of others. You saw the hurt of family members. And you, by the power and the authority and the help of Jesus, were a minister under your family. Make it a point to read the word. Make it a point to live surrendered. And the other thing I hope that you'll focus on is having an eternal perspective. <clears throat> so back to my New Believer book, the second verse in there to memorize was Colossians 3.2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And that's hard to do. And it's really hard to do in the middle of a busy semester when you have studying and exams and formals and all these things to do. But guys, it's so important. And it plays completely off of what Trey just said. When you see people as humans that are going to spend eternity in one place or another and not just some random person you're passing by or having a conversation with, you live differently. When you realize there is a spiritual battle going on at all times and spiritual warfare is real, you live differently. When you realize that people are in desperate need of the love of Jesus and just godly friendships, you'll live differently. But you can't do that when you're focused on constant worldly things and your vision is your mind is constantly distracted. It's pulled in a billion different directions. So, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Set your minds on things above. How do you do it? Well, pray that simple verse back to the Lord. He, he put that verse there for you. You can pray it back to him. God, please help me set my mind on things above and not on earthly things. God, please help me quit focusing on earthly things. God, please help me see people the way you see them. God, please give me eternal perspective. And he will. He, he wants that for you. Part of your job here is not just to go to class and eat with your friends and go to the formals and work and all that. You're kingdom builders. You are children of light sent out to a dark, dark world that is in desperate need of a Savior. And it's really hard to walk in that role when you're completely focused on worldly and earthly things. So 
when you have less exams and less studying and all the things that are pulling you a billion directions, it's the perfect time to be praying for the Lord to give you that perspective. Because if we all came back here collectively with that focus, we would make a huge change in our community, in our campus, and you would have those conversations over the break with family members that you may not see for the rest of the year. Or this may be the last year that they're at Christmas with you, and you want to know where they're going to spend eternity. Yeah, so true. You never know. As you look around this year, who is and who isn't going to be there next year? And it's such a hard thing to have an eternal mindset. And I appreciate what Ashley said because this is so much like any other thing that you lack spiritually. So often, one of the most simplistic things that we can do that we overlook is to ask for it. If you lack an eternal perspective, ask the Lord to build that up within you. If you lack the discipline and the self-control, going back to the first point that Ashley made of spending daily time in the Word, ask God to increase that within you, to increase a desire and a passion within you to spend time in His Word. If you lack getting to a point where you're willing to surrender your life and the fullness of it unto Christ's Lordship and His will and His desire and His call and His purpose, ask Him to lead you into that place where you can fully submit and surrender all things. Guys, it's, it's so, we, we complicate the book so often. God's word says you have not because you ask not. So often throughout God's word, he, he implores us, he invites us to just ask. Ask me for what you lack. Ask me for what you don't have a desire for. Ask me for what you see as a need in your life. So the areas in which you lack, the areas in which you struggle, ask, guys. Press into the Lord and ask Him to develop. Ask Him to grow. Ask Him to form those things within your life. You know, I don't know. It, it seems like Christmas is probably one of those times of years where having an internal mindset should be at the forefront but it gets pushed so far to the back of our mentality because everything, especially for me and our family, like this time of year becomes so quickly temporally focused. You know, the stress and the worry and the anxiety of the season of, I got to buy this present. We've got this family thing to go to. You've got that family thing to go to, and you think, you know, when you get married, it's a blessing because you just doubled up on, like, all the Christmas stuff, so double the presents, double the opportunities to sit down and have a good meal, double the anxieties, double the stress, double the fatigue, that's what it really is, you're like, man, this is awesome, we get twice as many gifts, you don't even care about that anymore, you're just like, can we just get over the season already, can, can, we, can we move on, and I'm trying to put a damper, I'm not saying don't get married because you think the holidays are going to be a dread, but that's a temporal mind. That's a that's a anything but an eternal mindset. And so often we become focused on I got to get this done. I got we got to clean the house up. We got family coming over. Like we had family come over for Thanksgiving, and my wife worked her tail off to get the house ready. But at one point she was just like everything was just like family was showing up. Dogs were barking. Graham was hitting the wall with his bat over and over and over again. Family was coming in, like you, we didn't even have the heat on, but all of a sudden it was 87 degrees in the house, 
And it was just like overwhelming at one point. And I'm looking at her and I can see it all over her face. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this isn't worth it. Like, we're supposed to enjoy these things. It's supposed to be a good time. But everything is so focused on what's in front of us. And it's very tempting for this season to become that way for you guys as well. I literally, is this on? Yeah. I literally said, I'm so proud of myself right now because I'm really frustrated, but I'm not being mean. He was like, why would you be mean? I'm like, because I do that when I'm frustrated. <laughs> Tis the season, right? Like. Oh, tis the season for domestic violence. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm serious. Like, I, police officers, I promise you, like, this time, the holiday season's the worst. Like, the most violence ever. I'm supposed to be full of love and peace and happiness. And instead, families are like at each other's throats. But keep an eternal mindset, guys. So, over the break, make it a point to read the word, make it a point to live surrendered, make it a point to have an eternal mindset. And then, Here's my last encouragement for you. Make it a point to become established in your identity. I would dare say that the majority of you in this room tonight, and I don't know all of you, but I feel confident that the majority of you in here tonight are born again. You have a relationship with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, familiar verse for most of us. Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. One thing I feel like you guys, your generation, struggles with so mightily is becoming established in who you are in Christ. And I'll just speak from experience that it took me a long time to begin to understand and believe and wrap my mind around who God really says that I am. And no longer entertaining or believing or listening to the lies of the enemy. And the spots of my past that he constantly wants to remind me of. To believing the truth of God's word when it tells me that Though my sins be like scarlet, they've been washed white as snow by the blood of the Lamb. And truly believing that when my Father looks down now, He sees the righteousness of His Son over my life. And if you guys can begin to grasp now, at this age, who you really are in Christ, and understand your identity in Him, and stop focusing so much on how everybody else around you looks, what their social media portrays, and focus in on being the person God created you to be. Listen, so many people look around and they have such a desire to be somebody else that you overlook the beauty of the truth of your own uniqueness. Of the reality that you are a vessel that God hand-formed and handcrafted for a specific purpose and a specific calling and a specific walk that he has designated for you and you alone that he doesn't desire for anyone else to walk out. 
And I want so desperately for you guys to not take as long as I did to begin to understand who you are in Christ and how freeing that is and how that can bring so much victory and relief into your life. I heard something a while back, and this was when I was really in a season of trying to understand who I was in Christ. I was reading this book, and the guy made a point that I had never heard anybody say in my life. Like, growing up in church, being around church my entire life, all I have ever heard is how I'm a sinner, 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 sinner. A nasty, stinking, rotten, filthy, no good, pathetic, worm-like sinner. That's all I've, that is all I've heard growing up inside of the church. Now, granted, are we sinners? Yes, we are. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is my life devoid of sin at this moment? Absolutely not. But this guy, in his book, I've got it highlighted. I can take you to my office right now, pull the book off the shelf, and show you exactly where it's at. He took that premise, and he says, I want you to begin thinking of it in a different way. In Christ, you are no longer defined as a sinner. You are a saint who sometimes sins. And it completely transformed my way of thinking and my way of understanding how my Heavenly Father saw me because so often I thought that's, that's just who I am. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a no good nothing. I'm pathetic. God, how would, how would you ever want anything? To, why would you ever want anything to do with me? The reality is being washed by the blood of the Lamb. My identity in Christ is now defined as saint as someone who is a part of a royal priesthood, someone who has been grafted into a holy nation. When Paul makes this statement in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, I began to realize that all throughout Scripture, for those who are in Christ, you never see God's word referred to them as sinners. They're saints, washed by the blood of of the Lamb. Listen, do we still make mistakes? Absolutely. Do I still fall short? Absolutely. But my understanding now is, is that I have been forgiven, I have been washed, I have been cleansed. That's not my identity. I trip up, I fail. But that's not what defines me. The blood of my Savior defines me. So over the break, guys, Here's the thing, as you press into God's word, as you press into living surrender, as you press into developing an eternal mindset, you will become established in your identity. You take all those things, put them together. When you come back to start a new semester, we will have a room full of saints who are hungry and passionate about the word who are eager and excited to live their lives for the Lord other than themselves, who go back to their campuses, to their dorms, to their fraternities, their sororities, to their teams, with not a temporal, but an eternal mindset, and who do so with boldness and confidence. 
because they know who they are in Christ. That'd be a break worth having. To come back with that. And that's what we're praying over you. That's what we're asking the Lord to do over you as you're gone for the next few weeks. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.